0: Start And over the last couple weeks, I'm going to give you a little bit of recap. We've been talking about hungry and really what it means to have spiritual hunger and really desiring to connect with the Lord is that I believe that church services are important. I believe that Bible reading is important. But at some point, I believe that there has to be an experiential element of our faith. In other words, it's got to be more than theory. It's got to become real reality, real truth in our hearts is that God says that he will confirm his word in our life. And so even as we're uh, looking at the scriptures and and preaching, you may get a stirring in your heart, and you say, "Well, what is that?" I'm talking about down here. The Bible calls it your inner man. Well, that's your spirit man, the most godlike part of you. And God wants to connect with you, and God wants you to really experience Him. And so, over the last couple of weeks, I've been sharing with you this verse out of John chapter four, verse ten. This is, you'll have to go back and look in the previous weeks or listen to it. Um, But Jesus is talking to the woman at the well is what this uh, parable is called. And so she's there getting some water and Jesus asks her an interesting question. He says, hey, would you fetch me some water? They have some dialogue. And then Jesus gives a, a response to her in verse 10 of Luke 4, I'm sorry, in John 4. And he says, if you only knew the gift... If you only knew the gift that God has for you and who uh, you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. You can drop down to verses 13 and 14. And he actually continues on that thought. And he says that living water would actually bubble up from your spirit, man, from that innermost being, and that life would spring forth. And this is as believers, I believe that God wants us to experience him in greater power and in greater dimension. And I don't want it to be reduced to theory. And I also don't want us to miss out on all that God has for us. Look, we don't live based off of our experiences. We could do that. We jump from one spiritual high to one spiritual high, And we're constantly searching, and that's not what God is after. God wants to produce a steadiness in our life and a stability in our life. But there are times, and I'm going to share one with you here in a little while, where I was in a low spot, and I needed a touch from God, and no sermon was going to help that. But I needed an encounter. I needed the presence of God to come in and feel me. And that's really part of what we're talking about, is really engaging and encountering the presence of God. Because it's an unbelievably powerful thing. And so today I know that... um, that I want to share with you some things that I believe uh, we can kind of get hung up on at times, kind of barriers to experiencing the presence or the power of God. Maybe it's, hey, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what's been done to me. Um, You know, all of these things and we can begin to almost excuse out reasons why God won't show himself strong on our behalf. But the Bible says that he will. The Bible says that he wants to reveal his nature and his character and who he is to us. And so I want to read you a verse here out of Isaiah 55, a couple of verses actually, um, and it's good news because it gives us some, some insight into what it takes to receive from the Lord. And so in verse 1 of Isaiah 55, it says, Hey there, all who are thirsty, come to the water. If you're thirsty, come. If you're hungry, come. He says, are you penniless? Are you broke? Do you not have any effort or anything that you can do to come to the Lord? He says, come anyways and buy and eat. He says, come, buy your drinks, buy your wine and your milk. Buy without money because everything is free. Let me say it another way. Is that everything has already been provided for. Is that you don't have to do anything to get God to work or to show himself uh, strong or even for you to experience the power and the presence of God why because everything that we need has already been paid for by Jesus on the cross and so we have unlimited full access to the presence of God right now and I love what it says here says are you penniless come anyways you broke come on like let's go let you can experience this and it goes on and I think this is such a powerful truth here it says why do you spend your money on junk food Now, I know none of you spend your money on junk food, and none of you have your little, um, maybe your guilty pleasures. But here, Isaiah is writing and communicating. He says, why do you spend your money on junk food? Or let me say it another way, that which doesn't satisfy you. You may eat it, but you're going to get hungry. Why? Because there's no actual nutrition there. This is the message translation. It says, um, why do you spend your money on junk food, your hard-earned money, or cash on cotton candy? He says, listen to me. Eat only the best and fill yourself with with only the finest. He says, pay attention and come close now. We talked about this, I don't know if it was last, I think it was last week, maybe it was week one. But we talked about the verse where it talks about if we'll draw near unto God, that he will draw near unto us. And here it says, pay attention, come close now, listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. He says, I'm making a lasting covenant with you, the same that I made with David, that it's sure that it's solid and that it's enduring love. Here's what I want you to No, today is it? God loves you. God really loves you. Like, he's crazy about you. And as much as we may think that we want to connect with him, he actually wants to connect with us even more. Why? Because we have a covenant. We're in relationship with him. You know, and he wants us to know him, not just kind of from a distance or like he's a God who's afar off. No, the Bible says he's the one who has come near unto us. And we can know him. And so in verse 6 and 7 of this same um, passage here in Isaiah 55, it says, Seek God while he is here. Ear to be found, pay or pray to him while he's close at hand. Let the wicked abandon their way of life and the evil their way of thinking. Let them come back to God who is merciful. What is mercy? It's compassion. It really is compassion. And so he says, let them come back to God. In other words, let's not run away from God. Let's run to God. Why? Because he is merciful even in our failings, even in our weakness, even in our lack of strength. God is merciful. He says, let's come back to our God who will lavish us with forgiveness. Let me just let you know today is that God actually wants to forgive you more than you want to be forgiven. Why? Because He's already poured out His love in Christ. Every sin that you have committed, that you even recently have, and even that you ever will, Jesus has already paid the price for. And it doesn't mean that sin is okay. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is is that God in His mercy... God in his grace, God in his great love and his compassion for us says, I'm going to help you move beyond your mistakes. We don't have to be identified by our past. And so I believe from scripture is that Jesus works in us in spite of all of our limitations and in spite of our human frailty. And you're like, man, what does this have to do with being hungry or experiencing the presence of God? I believe it has a lot to do with it. Because many times, depending on how our week goes, depends on if we even come to church. If Depending on how the week goes determines like, do I even feel worthy to worship God? Like, God, I'm so not worthy. And, we'll, and the enemy will come in and use these lies against us to keep us from entering into the very presence of God that would produce his life in us. And so the enemy comes and whispers and be like, you know what you said. You know what you did. You know what you looked at. You know where you were. You know all of these things. And you sit here in the service, even condemned, and God is actually calling you close, saying, I know, but come. I'm not trying to push you away. I actually want you to come close. Why? Because when you come close to the Lord, when you really come close in that relationship, there is life-giving power. There is real nourishment for your soul, for your spirit that comes when we encounter the presence of God. Let me give you a scripture. I love this verse, by the way. I think it's kind of funny. I find humor in scripture. But in Psalms 103, verse 14, this is uh, King David talking. And I just think this is a funny verse, but he reminds the Lord of who he is. He says, Lord, you know me inside and out. He says, and please keep in mind that we're made of dirt. We're made of mud. He's like, God, look, I'm just a pile of dirt, but you can do something with it. And I love the honesty here because he just shares his his where he's at. He's like, God, I have nothing to give you. I have nothing to offer you. And sometimes in our weakness, and even in our lowest points, are actually some of the most powerful times. I mean, we love to celebrate the mountaintop. We love to be up on top where, man, everything's just clicking, and everything's just working, and all of these things are happening. And we're like, yes, praise God, it's awesome. But let me remind you, the same God of your mountaintop is also the same God who's with you in the lowest of your valleys. In your lowest points, in the times where you've written yourself off. Why? Because, and I'll show you this verse here in just a moment, is that God's mercy is new every day. In other words, his mercy is not based on your yesterday. His mercy is not based on your last week. His mercy is based on his loving kindness, his mercy, his compassion, his desire for you. And I believe that many times what happens is is that the enemy will come in. Into our worst moments and convince us that God doesn't want us close to him. That we have no reason to even want to come close. And yet God is calling us. And what happens sometimes is I believe that we, you know, let me say it another way, is that we won't approach who we don't trust. And sometimes we have this mindset like God being the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain who's got the the snarl and the smoke and all the loud music and all the pomp and circumstance when God is a loving Father who, I mean, think of it this way. It'd be like if you were riding your bike and skinned your knee and your mom or your dad ran up to you and picked you up in their arms. Because you are hurt, and they 're comforting you that 's the nature and the character of the of the God that we serve is that he is loving and kind and so I want to give you uh, an experience that I had. I'd been serving the Lord for a number of years. Uh, and I'd really been around uh, church, and really been around some powerful encounters and um, services, if you will. And just, I'd really encountered the presence of God in a very personal, very real way, um, where it wasn't just theory, but man, it was real. Like, this is real. There's reality. Like, holy cow, I had no idea. But a couple of years into my journey with the Lord, which, you know, now I'm uh, six, 26 years in, I guess, uh, and, uh, you know, but I've been serving the Lord, but it was probably maybe two or three, four years into my walk, and things had just gotten really dry. Um, and because of my exposure, if you will, to the move of God, and really, it was like I could mentally recognize that God was moving in a service, but I felt nothing. I just felt empty, and I felt disconnected. And you may be here this morning, and you feel completely disconnected from the Lord. And I want to share with you a story uh, that happened to me in this service. Because I'm serving, and I'm doing all the things. I mean, I'm doing all the stuff they tell you to do. And, you know, I mean, I'm serving in the church. I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying. I'm worshiping. I'm doing all the things. But inside of me, there was just this longing. I was like, God, I need something. And I, I didn't even know what it was. And, uh, and I remember, though, that there was a gentleman who came over to me and he just put his hand kind of on my chest. He just walked it to me and just put his hand right here. And he, he didn't say anything. I don't even know if he prayed. And I began to just weep, just tears, not like, you know, ugly cry or nothing like that. But just these tears just started streaming down my face. And the only way I know how to explain it is it's like something hit the top of my head, not in like a powerful way, but think like a warm liquid. And it literally just started coming down. It just slowly, slowly, slowly. And I'm just crying and I'm just there, I got my hands raised, and I'm just saying, Lord, I'm available for whatever you have for me. And I to this day cannot tell you exactly what happened in that moment. Like I don't have the words and I don't have the description and I can't say, Well, this happened and this happened and this happened. But what I do know is that I I was able to sense the nearness of God in that moment that my heart really longed for and I desired. And I needed that touch from God. I needed that touch in that moment. I needed the presence of God to invade my space and to a certain degree overwhelm me. Now, God didn't make me do anything crazy. I mean, sometimes people have these ideas like, oh man, if I yield to the Lord, he's going to maybe do something crazy. Let me just reassure you, number one, he's not going to do that. And I also kind of make the joke, even if you spun on your head like a top, if it's the Lord, you would be totally okay with it because of what he would do in you. But God's not going to do anything to you. He's going to love on you. He's going to care for you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And He wants to show you His grace and His mercy and His compassion. Lamentation 3, 22 through 24 says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. Think about that. Like, and By the way, this is an Old Testament scripture. Well, the Bible, according to us, as New Testament Christians, the Bible actually says that we have a new and a better covenant based on better promises. So if the Lord spoke this to the children of Israel in the Old Testament we actually have a better promise today. And so he says here the writer of Lamentations says the Lord's great love we are not because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions I love that they plural that word is that compassion isn't just a one-time event no his compassions it's a repeated event his compassions never fail they are new every morning and great is your faithfulness he says I will say to myself the Lord is my portion therefore I will wait on him Isaiah actually talks about this and it says those who wait upon the Lord that they will renew their strength like well, he's like well what does it mean to wait on the Lord let me just state the obvious it means I'm not in a hurry. When I'm waiting on the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I'm here until I sense Your presence. I'm not. I don't. Uh, everything else is secondary right now. As I worship You this morning, as I engage in Scripture today, as I'm in relationship with other believers, as I'm going about my day, Lord, I am waiting on You. And, I, and let me say it this: way, it's keeping an ear attentive to the Lord that I'm not just busy doing that. I don't pay attention to the whispers of the Holy Spirit and those little things that the Lord's going to drop in my heart. And I love here. We're talking about hungry, right? Being in spiritual hunger, I love how it adds this, he says I will say to myself the Lord is my portion the Lord is my portion he's all that I need, he's all that I want, he's all that I'm longing for, he is my portion he is the one who fulfills me, he is the one that brings everything that I need into my life every day, and so when I'm willing to really engage with the Lord and to lean into him I can experience some amazing things. Here's another truth is that there's nothing that God is withholding from you. There's no grace. There's no mercy. There's no love. And you're like, yeah, 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 I know all that. But man, but let me tell you my story. Well, let me tell you the cross of Jesus is stronger than your story. The cross of Jesus' redemption is stronger than all of your mess-ups. It really is true. And so, is that God is not withholding from you. He's actually holding everything for you. All the promises of God are yes and in Christ. They are amen. It means so be it. Let it be done. You know, there's over... Scholars say that there's over 7,000 promises in Scripture from God to us as His children. 7,000. I don't know how many years it would take to get... 7,000. If you took one a day, how many years would that be? 7,000 promises. And the Bible says God's no respecter of person. You may be here today and you're like, man, I need that, that warm glow of the Holy Spirit. I need the presence of God to fall on me today. I've got good news. God is no respecter of person. And what he did for me, he will do for you. Why can I say that with such confidence? Because it's what God's word says. It's not my opinion. This is God's word speaking this. Let me give you another example of this, and I believe that this could actually help us in experiencing the presence of God. The Apostle Paul is talking in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And I believe that sometimes that we can actually come into a church service or we can come into a devotional time. or And, and, and the, what happens is, is that we come full. We come into that moment to seek the Lord. But it would be like if you just filled up your gas station, you move out of that pump and roll around to the next pump, and you start trying to fill it up again. You're not going to get any gas. Why? Because your tank is already full. And sometimes what happens is is that we walk into a service, and we've actually not emptied ourselves. We've not created any space that God could come in and fill. And so I believe that there are times that we actually need to create some space And sometimes, again, the enemy works overtime to keep us out of this space. So let me read you uh, an example. And I believe this is one of the areas that this is a good takeaway, possibly for you today. But the Apostle Paul here is talking, and he said that the Lord had given him a thorn in the flesh. And there's a lot of debate as to what this is. The Scripture is very clear as to what it is. It was a messenger from Satan. The Bible says that, that that was sent to him to buffet him or to beat against him. But I want you to hear... What the Lord's response was. Because Paul asked and said, hey, three times I pleaded with the Lord to relieve me of this. You know, there may be things that you're asking the Lord to say, Lord, can you just get rid of this? Can you just take this part out of my life? Can you just take this frustration, this struggle, whatever it may be? Can you just, like, delete it? Can we just get it off the table? But yet God answers Paul and he says, Paul... My grace is always more than enough for you. I want you to hear that today. God's grace is enough for you. It's not just enough. It's actually more than enough for you. More than enough. More than enough. My grace is always More than enough for you. But we have to learn how to cooperate with the grace of God. We have to learn how to lean into the grace of God and receive from the grace of God. So Paul continues here. And he says, so he says... Uh, God speaking says my grace is always more than enough for you and it says and God says my power finds its full expression through your weakness the very thing that you're ashamed of the very thing that you don't want anybody to know about the very thing that you're like man if I could just get a handle on this part of my life my walk with the Lord would be better I'd be able to experience him more I would be able to, to to do what you're talking about and I'm telling you when you're trying to do it that's not what the Bible says Paul, or I'm sorry, the Lord speaking to Paul says that my power finds its full expression in your weakness. So that area that you may struggle with, that area that you're that, that you're like, man, if I could just get this figured out, if you would learn to turn to the Lord in his grace in that area, that you would actually not just get not just hit the delete button and say, Oh, it's over. God would actually give you the grace and the ability to walk through it. It's such a powerful truth. So Paul goes on here and he says, So I will celebrate my weakness. For when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. Let me say it another way. I just told you about the, the gas tank analogy. Paul says, I will celebrate my weakness. For when I am weak, I sense more deeply. Let me say it another word. When I'm empty, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. This is why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is why we encourage you at the beginning of the year to participate in that. You don't have to only do it in January, but there's something supernatural that happens. When you remove distractions and you begin to seek the Lord in a fresh way, and you're like, man, all this other stuff is not that important. But what happens is you get a heightened awareness of the presence of God. And you don't, like I said, you don't have to wait till January to do something like this. Turn the TV off. I mean, look, there ain't nothing but reruns on TV right now anyways. So the only thing you're going to watch is something you've already seen. So turn the TV off. Spend some time with the Lord. And really encounter the presence of God like he's talking about. And so Paul continues. He says, so I'm not defeated by my weaknesses. How many of you are defeated today because of, you know, the places that you struggle And yet Paul here says, look, I'm not defeated by my weakness. He says, I'm actually delighted. He says, for when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment. He says, when I'm surrounded by troubles on every side. You may feel like that today. And I face persecution because of my love for Christ. He says, "I I, I am made yet even stronger. I love how the passion words this part right here. He says, for my weakness becomes a portal for God's power. My weakness becomes a portal to God's power. And so many times I think that we're trying to get the idea that, man, that I, I've got to be strong for the Lord. I've got to bring my A game and I've got to have a, all of my stuff lined up. And it's actually quite the opposite. Is that when you're tired and when you're worn down and when you're defeated, that's the time to run into the presence of God. Why? Because your weakness is actually the power and the portal for God's power to be poured into your life. See, I believe that Jesus isn't looking for our strength as much as he's looking for us to discover him in our weaknesses. In our strength, what do we really have to offer Christ? Not a lot. But it's in our weaknesses... That that all of a sudden there's that portal, there's that spot, there's that place that God can begin to pour His power and His goodness and His grace and His ability, that that life-giving nourishment into us. See, here's what I know, is that the Lord won't fill, in other words, fill up what we're not willing to yield. The Lord will not fill what we are unwilling to yield to Him. See, it goes back to this idea of surrender to the Lord. And if I'm going to experience more of the presence of God, you know, we're going to worship here in a few moments together. And you may say, man, I've never experienced the presence of God, but you stand in worship and your hands are at your side. Your eyes are open. You're just kind of checking everybody else out, looking around. How about you take your hands out your pockets? You begin to lift up your hands, you begin to close your eyes, you begin to turn your attention and your focus onto the Lord, and you begin to worship Him because He's worthy, because He's deserving, because He's the only one who paid the price for my salvation and for your salvation. And, And so, it's not about how I feel. Feelings are irrelevant. What I know is that God is good, and He has nothing but good for me, and even in my weakness, He's going to show forth His goodness. And so I have to learn to yield. That means to surrender. I mean, think about getting on a road and you got to yield to the traffic. What does that mean? It means you got to give way. I mean, you could be an ultra-aggressive driver and cut some people off, but that's not going to work when we're talking about experiencing the presence and the power of God. We have to learn to yield to Him. My last, i got two verses for you. The worship team can go ahead and head up this morning. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. Because if we want to experience more of the presence of God, yes, we need to have some desire. I told you in week 1, the proof of desire is in pursuit. Don't tell me that you want something if you're not willing to go after it. Because that, that's just lip service. But lip service doesn't produce anything. If you want something, there's going to be effort involved. There's going to be time involved. There's going to be energy involved. And so we have to desire, we have to want the presence of God. We have to find God in the areas of our weakness. Like, I don't have to be ashamed of my weakness. I actually just invite God into it. Why would I run away from God in the areas where I'm weak? Because I'm obviously weak and I can't do anything about it. But God on the inside of me is enough. He's more than enough. And so here in 1 Peter 2, verse 2, it says this, it says so abandon that word could also be said repent which means to turn and go in a different direction quit doing what you've been doing and go somewhere else you know I can remember a number of years ago there was a famous psychologist on TV and he had this phrase and people would be talking about what they're doing how they're doing things this and that and he'd be like and he would stop them and say how's that working for you like your marriage is falling apart you're griping and you're defending but how's that working for you Like maybe you need to do something different. And so that's where that humility and that brokenness comes. And even this repentance comes in. Because what the apostle Peter is writing. He says, so abandon, repent, turn away from every kind of evil, deceit, hypocrisy, feelings of jealousy and slander. He said, in the same way that a nursing infant cries for milk, you must intensely, intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity. You know that's the number one thing that God wants from you, beyond your calling, beyond your accomplishments, but before anything else, God wants you to to grow. I mean, I've got two little, or not so little, but I've got two kids, and I don't. I want them to grow up. I want them to develop. I want them to mature here it says for this milk will cause you to grow into maturity fully nourished and strong for life he says especially now that you have, a, have had a taste of the goodness of the Lord Jehovah and have experienced his kindness he's telling us he said man you've got to crave you've got to desire and I love how the passion it says you must intensely crave the, the spiritual milk, the, the, it's the power of God unto salvation. It's really seeing salvation that we, cl- that we claim to and hold to actually um, show up in our day-to-day life. And we can experience the power, the presence, the compassion, the grace, the mercy, the goodness of God. He is new. Let me say it this way. He resets every day. He resets every day for you and me. His mercy, His grace, His compassion, His love. It's like the first time He ever laid eyes on us again. Fell in love this morning. Again. Why? Because you're His kid. In Isaiah 26 verse 9 it says this. It says, In the night I will search for you, and in the morning I will earnestly seek you. This is the word, and I believe this is our challenge. is that If we're going to say that we're hungry, the proof of desire is in pursuit. And so, if we're really going to say that we're hungry, and if we're going to do what 1 Peter here talks about, and we're going to crave the spiritual milk of the word, that it would produce maturity in us, allowing us to grow, we're going to have to search. And here, Isaiah writes, it says, In the night, I search for you. That I means, like, man, even late at night, I'm looking for you. Early in the morning, I'm going to seek you. I'm looking for you. So, here's my question I've been asking you this question the last couple of weeks at the end of every sermon. Is this, is what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Now, we're going to take a moment here. We're going to have an opportunity where you guys can receive prayer. We're going to enter back into a time of worship together. And this doesn't matter if you're online. doesn't matter if you're in the room. The presence of God is not bound by time and space. The same God that could be in this room right now can be right there on the other side of that computer screen with you. I've had some amazing and powerful times with the Lord watching something on my computer where the Lord begins to stir up something in my heart, even over technology. And so don't think that somehow you're getting uh, shortcutted or or left out because you may be on the other side of a screen. No, the difference is, is am I trying to connect with the Lord or am I just kind of eavesdropping? I want to be able to connect with the Lord. And so I want to pray for you this morning. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer, but I'm going to ask you to take a posture of receiving today. You're like, well, what does that mean? I'm a, and I know this may be uncomfortable for some of you, and I'm not trying to make you uncomfortable, but posture matters. How we approach God matters. And so I'm going to ask everybody, I'm going to ask you to take your hands just like this. You don't have to do some crazy like Holy Ghost, like, I mean, you can just right here. But take your hands from your sides and, and almost like a funnel and just say, and I, I want to pray over you. And I'm going to pray that the presence of God is going to just... Really just come right into that space where you're at. And so join me as we pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. Father, I thank you for your love and your grace and your compassion. Father, that it's never ending. Father, I thank you that you desire for your children to know you, to experience you, to walk in the fullness of everything that Jesus has provided for us. Father, one of the greatest promises that we have is that you would draw near unto us, that we could know you. Not in theory, not by somebody else's experience, but Father, I thank you that right now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill up every hungry heart right now. Every heart who longs to connect with you, Holy Spirit, I ask you to move upon these people this morning. That you would drop a deposit into their spirit. If they need strength, I thank you that there's strength. If there's peace, I thank you that you're peace. If it's joy, I thank you that you are joy. If it's for uh, belonging and understanding that that we're not orphans, but Father, you've pulled us close to you. Father, I thank you that you're stirring up in us the knowledge and the understanding that you are our good, loving Father. That you have nothing but good things for us. And so, Father, I thank you that you're drawing us and calling us into a greater uh, relationship and connection with you. Father, I thank you for it right now in the name of Jesus.